We're going to finish what we started the other day. I want to just hit something, and then we're going to talk about baptism a little at the end because I want to encourage you. If you, uh, I've been baptized three times, but I'm going to be baptized tonight because you know what it says? The Bible says what? Repent, be baptized, receive the Holy Ghost. Now, repentance is the word exchange. You change the way you think. So if you've changed the way you think since you was baptized, you might ought to think about being rebaptized. Amen? Just a thought. We'll talk about it in a little bit. Father, we thank you for your word, and we just ask, Lord, that you guide us today. We thank you, Lord, for your inheritance you've given us, and we bless you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Colossians 1, 12 and 13 says, Giving thanks unto the Father which has made us meet or capable to be partakers with the saints in life. To be a partaker with the what? Saints in life. So what? Light is your inheritance. We talked about it this morning in the coffee shop. Remember Isaiah is not in my notes, but Isaiah 60 verse 1 says, Arise and shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. It says, Behold, darkness will cover the earth and gross darkness of people, but the Lord shall arise on you and his glory shall be seen upon you. And all nations will come to that light. See, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. God called us to be light because that inheritance we have is the light of God. He's come to give us the light, the revelation. I remember when he told me, he said, all deliverance is, all salvation is, is turning on the light. It's lifting up the veil from what he's already done for us. It is finished. Everything's been paid for us, and it's all ours, and it's, it's, it's what we have. <clears throat> Jesus said, while you have the light, believe in the light that you may be children of that light. In Ephesians 5, 8 says, you were in darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Now walk as what? Children of light. 1 Thessalonians 5, 5, you're children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the darkness, but of the light. In Acts 26, Paul was talking, and he said in verse 16 to the, the king, he says, God, Jesus called me, and he says, I've anointed you to do something. He says to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those that are sanctified in me. You know, we have an inheritance. It's a kingdom inheritance. The spiritual gifts are inheritance we've been given. The spiritual light is an inheritance to make us more effective in what our office is. Bible says that we are ministers of what? Reconciliation, exchange. We are here to present the exchange message to everyone we, we see. That's what the word reconciliation in the Greek is what? Exchange. Ephesians 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with some spiritual blessings. All spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. And you know when that happened? Before the foundation of the world. That'll blow your mind. Read Ephesians chapter 1. All right. And Paul was praying for the church at Ephesus. And he says, The first day I heard you was saved. I cease not to pray for you night and day. Why? There's more than just getting born again. There's more than just getting your sins forgiven. That the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened, enlightened, illuminated by the light, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. How many of you know he's got an inheritance in you? Not only do we have an inheritance in him, but he has an inheritance in us. And you know what that inheritance is us? Is that light he's given us that's his. He has an inheritance in us, in his church, and that we may know that. <clears throat> you know, we, we've, we've seen this. Proverbs 4 says, the path of the just is what? As a light that shines brighter and brighter to the full day. 
See, God's purpose for us is for us to be, we're born of light and we're to grow in that light. It really doesn't matter what happens in the world and what's going on in the world. It doesn't affect the kingdom. I'm telling you, Scripture says he's going to shake everything that can be shaken so that it cannot be shaken will remain. There's a whole lot of shaking going on. But I want to tell you something. One of these days when the final shaking's over, it says that Jesus is going to deliver up the kingdom to the Father. And in Revelations, it says that all nations are going to come under that one kingdom nation. That's got to happen. So all these things are happening. So we need to pray. Remember in Isaiah chapter 9, he says in verse 7, and Amplified of the increase of Christ's government and kingdom and peace, there is no end upon the throne of David and upon the kingdom to order it, to establish it with justice and judgment for the zeal of the Lord is going to perform it. How many of you know that's going on? There is no end to his kingdom. There is no end to his justice. There is no end to his peace. It's, it grows. Oh, that you had hearkened to my commandments, he says, then would your peace have been as, as a river. Just listen. Thy word have you hid in his heart. Why? So that that peace that passes all understanding can keep your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Okay, and we see, Jesus said, as you go, preach, the kingdom of God is here. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you received it, freely give it. Go preach the kingdom. What is the kingdom? They accused Jesus of casting out devils by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. And he said, listen. If I, by the Holy Ghost, cast out devils, the kingdom has come. He says, the kingdom is not here or there. The kingdom's within you. All right. The kingdom's within you. If I, by the Holy Ghost, cast out devils, the kingdom has come. What did he say? Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Oh, and by the way, tell them the kingdom's here. How many of you know the kingdom's been here for 2,000 years? See, we want to talk about that. The kingdom of God, it says in Romans fourteen seventeen, is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy. Where? In the Holy Ghost. Nicodemus came to Jesus in John 3, and he says, No man can do the things you do except God be with him. And Jesus said, Except a man be born from above. He can't even see there is a kingdom. But except a man be born of the water and the Spirit, he can't enter into that kingdom. See, I want to say something to you today. And this is stout. I may have said it last week. I don't know how far I got but you see here, you can be born again. I, when I got born again, I loved God. I knew something that happened to me, but I was only partially saved. Because in my mind, my will, and my emotion, I still was carrying a lot of baggage, a lot of rejection, a lot of junk in my life. And I knew the Bible says if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away, and all things become new. I wasn't all new, but I knew I had life. See, there's a difference between you getting born again and experiencing kingdom life. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and what? Have it more abundantly. And see, when the kingdom comes, you know, there's, there's a scripture in, in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 6, verse 9. It says, Know ye not the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom? Neither fornicators, adulterers, effeminate, abusers themselves, homosexuals, covetous, drunkards will inherit the kingdom. Now, I want you to hear something. Covetousness. Where does all of that stuff come from that makes you not want to give? Old man. Now, if everybody that's covetous and is living in the old man's going to hell, we got a problem. This has nothing to do with your salvation. Your salvation is secure and it's given of God. This has to do with your conduct and you living here on earth. This has to do with kingdom living. Shall not inherit to what? 
the kingdom. He didn't say you wasn't going to heaven because he's already talking to some people that got born again in, in Corinthians. And he began to say, know you not that those that practice these things will not inherit the kingdom. But then he goes on the next verse and says, such were some of you. That's not who you are. That's who you were. But you've been washed. You've been justified. You've been sanctified by the Spirit of God, the living God. Many times he says, you were the servant of sin. You obeyed from the heart, being made free from that, you become servants of righteousness. There's your exchange. So see, it's not about that. But we've got to understand there is an exchange. But Jesus went on to Nicodemus and said, you've got to be born of the water and the Spirit. Most of your commentaries, if you look at that, Nicodemus said, I don't understand. Do we enter the second time in, in the mother's womb? And from that, many believe that what he's saying is a natural birth and a spiritual birth. That's not what he's saying. They knew John the Baptist was preaching the baptism of repentance, water baptism. Nicodemus knew that. They didn't need to clarify what the water meant. Except you be born of the water and the spirit, you shall not enter the whole end of the kingdom. What does it say in the book of Acts? Repent, be baptized, receive the Holy Ghost. It's that step. I remember Derek Prince said, here's the order. Enter into the kingdom. Repent, be baptized, receive the Holy Ghost. That's the order. And it's never changed. It's never changed. That's the order. See, when you change your mind, when you move into that new creation, I'm telling you, there's a lot of us here that we have exchanged that old soul for the new soul. Because God said in Ezekiel 36, I'll give you a new heart. And I'll put a new spirit within you. I'll take away that old stony heart and you'll have a heart of flesh. Remember 1 Thessalonians 5.23? I pray your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless. What? At the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, faithfully he who called you, who will also do it, he has also done it. So we can be perfect, spirit, soul, and body. But we was only preached the partial gospel, most of us. When I got born again, I got my spirit born again. If they had told me there was more, you think I wouldn't have got it? I guarantee you I'd have got it. I'd have got it all. Because Isaiah 53 said, who has believed the full report? Jesus has paid the price for the whole report. But in Matthew chapter 21... We see in verse 43, Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, and he, he said something staggering to them. And I want you to understand what we're talking about. See, what Paul was saying to them earlier, the Christians, you'll not inherit the kingdom if you practice this stuff and live in this stuff. didn't mean you wouldn't go to heaven. See, the majority of the church today is, is not living in abundant life. They have, they're going to go to heaven when they die, but they're not living the abundant life that Jesus said we could have. In Matthew 21, uh, uh, here. okay, where am I at? Verse 43 says, Therefore say I unto you, Matthew 21, 43, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation bringing forth the fruits thereof. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken, except the corn of wheat fall in the ground, and what? It abides alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. When you're broken, you're going to bring much fruit. If you keep your seed and don't break it, well, there's a stone going to fall on you. All right? And you'll be ground to powder. So what he's saying is the kingdom's going to be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the what? The fruits thereof. See, the thing about a fruit is a fruit is something that you produce that Jesus said, if you abide in the vine and you'll produce much fruit. I'm the vine, you're the branches. He that abide me bear much fruit. The only way you can bear fruit is to be in the vine, right? So in the fruit, a tree never eats its own fruit. Your fruit is not for you. 
Your fruit is for the rest of the body of Christ. You can partake of others' fruit, but your fruit's for somebody else. It's not for you. All right, but he says, I want you to bring forth kingdom fruit. It's a kingdom fruit we're talking about here. And so he is looking for fruit. He said, herein is my Father glorified that you do what? Bear much fruit. So the kingdom can be given, the kingdom can be taken, and the kingdom can be given. Did David have a kingdom? Yes, he did. He got it from Saul. Did he lose it? Yes, sir, he did. Absalom, his son, took it away from him. Did he get it back? Yes, he did. Nebuchadnezzar, did he have a kingdom? Yes, he did. Did he lose it? Yes, he did. He ate grass for seven years. Did he get it back? Yes, he did. See, the kingdom has been given to us as we move into that new creation to flow in it and bring forth for the fruits of the kingdom. The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of those that make peace. So you can bring forth kingdom fruit or you can bring forth also, also fruit. All right, Jesus said in Matthew 17, slow down clock, uh, Matthew 5, he says, a good tree cannot produce bad fruit and an evil tree cannot produce good fruit. By your fruit, you know them. And how many of you know you have two trees growing? Is anybody here doesn't have two trees growing? I want to talk to you if you don't. There's an old tree over there and there's a new tree. Okay. And we're called to live over here. If you live in this new tree, you're not going to produce bad fruit. If you live over here in this bad tree, you cannot produce the kingdom fruit. You may produce some good works, but you will not produce kingdom fruit. So the kingdom, you remember when it says, he said to John, from the days of John the Baptist till now, the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it before us. Right? Now, he said, it's no more about you. It's your father's good pleasure to give it to you. As you receive it. I've done everything. It's finished. As you receive it. Good master, what must we do to do the works of God? This is the work of God. You believe what I've done for you. 829, John. Believe what I've done. And as you believe the promises, you receive what he's done for you. We've been given everything that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of what? Him that called us out of darkness into his glorious light. The reason Jesus came was to bring light to the Gentiles. He came to open blind eyes. That is the purpose Jesus came. All right, I'm about to preach myself happy now. So the kingdom can be given and the kingdom can be taken. What did Paul say to the elders in the book of Acts? He said this to the book of Acts. He says, I have been with you for many days. And he says, I I want to warn you of something. After my departure, grievous wolves shall enter among the flock, not sparing the flocks. And elders of your own selves will men arise speaking perverse things to draw disciples after them. That's how quickly this thing began. See, when they got saved, I want you to to stay with me now. In Acts chapter 2, they said, repent. He said, Peter said to them, they said, what shall we do when they heard the gospel? Repent, be baptized, receive the Holy Ghost. Most of us know that, don't we? But how about the next verse? That's where the rubber meets the road. Verse 40. And with many other words, did he testify, exhort, encourage, and admonished them with long messages, it says in the Amplified. I don't know how long that took. Save your old selves, your souls, from this crooked and perverse world. Deliver your soul from this old world. Then he said, as many as heard those words were baptized. And the same day was added 3,000 souls. And neither said any of the things they possessed was their own. And that you know something, as many as had houses and land sold the land and gave it to everybody as they had need. 
You tell me you see that in the church today when people get saved. We're only a third saved. There's more to be saved than just your spirit. Jesus came to redeem us, spirit, soul, and body, that we could be whole. Then immediately, Ananias and Sapphira. Then you see the elders. See, you still have a choice. How many of you know God's given you a choice to live in the old or live in the new? Thank God he hadn't taken away our choices. See, he wants us to serve him because we set our affection on him. And he said, because you set your affection on me, therefore will I deliver you. I will set you on high because you've known my name. See, we have a choice. And as we see that kingdom, and how do you enter that kingdom? What? Repent, be baptized, receive the Holy Ghost. I'm going to jump on over there because why is baptism so important? When you see that, you see baptism is a grave. That's why in the, New, in the New Testament, the book of Acts, you'll not find, or any place in the Bible, you'll not find a person that was born again that was not immediately baptized. You won't find it. I mean, even one bunch got the Holy Ghost before they got baptized in water. And they said, wow, who can forbid water that this should not be baptized? Oh, we were baptized under John's baptism. He said, that ain't going to cut it. And they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, why is that so important? Because Jesus paid the price. So, see, I want you to see something here. When Jesus was crucified on the cross, guess who was crucified with him? When Jesus was buried, we were buried with him. It wasn't just something we did to join a church. I tried that too. Twice, and it didn't work. Baptism's not to join a church. Baptism is a grave. It's where you bury that old man that was crucified up there. We got identified with him in our death, our burial, and our resurrection to get the whole thing. That's why baptism is crucial. And that's why it's so important. Somebody said, well, what about the thief on the cross? Well, Jesus hadn't been crucified. He was crucified, but he hadn't been buried and rose again yet. Besides, that's no big deal. The woman came to him and said, If I may but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. And Jesus turned around when virtue left him and said, Who is he that touched me? And she said, I did. He said, Woman, be whole. That word whole is sozo. She didn't just get healed. She got the whole enchilada, spirit, soul, and body. Sozo is what she got. And then he said, Well, go ahead and be healed from your infirmity. See, a lot of people got things on credit before it was time. Because you know why? He was a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He didn't have to go there. He'd already been there. Now don't get me started. I'm telling you, don't limit God. But why is baptism that important? You see, in, in when Philip went down to Samaria and preached Christ to them, and the people gave heed to he, all he said, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did for unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice came out of many. And it says, when they believed Philip, preaching concerning the kingdom and the things of Jesus, they were baptized. They were what? Baptized. And then the Holy Ghost came down. The apostles came, laid hand on them. They received the Holy Ghost. And, you know, I want you to fully understand something. The minute you go down under that water, if you don't have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you can speak speaking in tongues by the time you hit the surface. Come on, I'm telling you, I'm telling you the facts. Repent, be baptized, receive the Holy Ghost. All right. And then... When Philip went down in, into the desert, he said, I want you to go to the desert. He went to the desert and joined with his eunuch in the chariot. was reading Isaiah 53. Come on, what a better verse to read. He said, do you understand what you're reading? He said, how can I except some man tell me? 
And he got in and explained to him what it was all about. And as soon as the eunuch they come out of the desert and he saw water, he said, here is water. What does hinder me to bury that old man right now? And he says, do you believe with all your heart? I believe. And they went into the water. He baptized the eunuch. And the eunuch went away rejoicing. And Philip got translated somewhere else. I'm telling you, there is something that happens in that baptism thing. But I want to tell you something. Some of you, like me, has been in the water several times. You can go into that water, and if, all, if your mindset is not on what it's there for, all you're going to do is get wet. It's a grave where you are actually being buried with Christ. You are in Him, and you're raised with Him to walk in that newness of life. You've got to understand what it's for. It's not about anything but your identity about being with Christ, in Christ. Amen? Now, I want you to see something here. I believe the reason a lot of people are still walking under condemnation and walking under all the stuff they go through is because they stop short of being really baptized in water in Christ. The old man is still very much alive and well. And I've read several stories where after the, they made their baptism that was the one, there was a exchange. Then it wasn't as hard to live in the new creation. Now, Galatians chapter 3 Verse 27 says, as many of you have been baptized into Christ. Have been baptized where? Let's get it straight. Where? Not in the baptistry. Not in the water. Have been baptized into Christ. Have put on Christ. Now in 1 Peter chapter 3 when it talks about there was eight souls saved. Noah and his family through water. Likewise. Likewise. What's he talking about? When you go down under the water. It says you're saved like Noah and his family. The water didn't save Noah. The ark did. When you go down in that water, it's Christ, the ark, that saves you, not the water. Okay? Get the picture. You're saved by the ark, and the ark is Christ. You are buried with him, in him, and you're raised with him to walk in that newness of life. Not only that, but you ascend with him. And when he sits down, you sit down. And you're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, Colossians 2.11, I want you to see this. Now, I like the Amplified, but we'll read this. (coughs) Do you have the Amplified? Don't worry about it. Colossians 2.11 says, In whom also you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. I want you to see that. In putting off the body of sins, the old flesh, by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism, wherein you also risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you your transgressions. See, circumcision was a sign of the old covenant. Baptism is a sign of the circumcision of Christ made without hands. It is a spiritual circumcision. We've gone so far the other way from baptism because we've reacted to the church of Christ. We just flat missed what we were supposed to have. You cannot separate salvation from water baptism. Now, that's some people, that's just staggering. But I want to tell you, you find me one place in the New Testament where it was not immediately done. Even the jailer and his family at midnight, what happened? It could have been really cold. They went to the river at midnight and was baptized. They didn't even wait till the sun come up. Why? It's important that you put off that old man. 
that you identify in the death, burial, and resurrection. Because he didn't go on that cross for himself. Who, who did he go up there for? Me. He didn't go to that grave for himself. He went for me. He wasn't raised for himself. He was raised for me and you. When he ascended, we ascended. He did it for us. See, and all of this is, is part of that process that we go through. And a lot of times we struggle with all this stuff. And we see, you know, when, in, in the book of Acts, when Stephen's preaching there, and he's preaching, and he says, You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart, you do always resist the Holy Ghost, even as your fathers did, so do you. Stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart. Now, what is that saying? He said, These people love God. They could quote you every scripture in the Bible, but they were uncircumcised in heart. I know many Christians today that love Jesus. They're going to heaven when they're died, but they're uncircumcised in heart because they're still living out of that old heart. See, God said, I'm not going to fix up your old heart. I'm going to give you a new one. Too many people trying to fix up their old heart when they can have a new one. And see, that's your old mind, will, and emotion. And you know what? The old mind, will, and emotion is not subject to God and never will be. That's why baptism is so important. That's why we need scriptural baptism to put away the sins of that old man once for all. And he's to be buried. And that's why we're going to do this tonight. This is a John James Lee Beale. How many of you have heard of James Lee Beale? Any of you have heard of him? He's been around for many years. And he preached risen to the newness of life. And he, he, he talks about a lot of stuff we had here. But I want to read his own testimony. Now, see, his granddad was a pastor. His dad was a pastor. His mother was a preacher. And, and he's well in his age when he wrote this. This is his testimony of baptism. We all have a story as unique as our own, as our personalities. God makes himself real to us in ways which we'll communicate to most individuals. The story of change differs. But the common denominator is this. Jesus Christ changes our inner life when we meet him in faith repentance, and water baptism. I experienced a deep inner resistance to God before I was water baptized. For quite some time, I wondered what in the world was wrong with me. There was times and periods where I would attend meetings, hear excellent preaching from the Word of God, and the Word would be a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. God, through the preaching of the Word, was showing me what I should do and the next step I should take. But very often, Instead of being glad for the instruction and the exhortation that I received, I would find myself something inside of me warring. The Bible says that the natural man is enmity against God. It's not subject to God, and it never will be. It's hostile. So when you're living out of your old mind, your will, and your emotion, and you love God in your spirit, there is a resistance going on in that old man to what it's hearing. That's where most people are at today. There was a resistance that I couldn't quite understand. Why was this happening? God's instructions were for my good. As far as I knew, I really wanted to serve God and be led by the Holy Spirit, but I was having to struggle to find the newness of life. I wanted newness of life, but at the same time, something was pulling me back. One day, I began to realize that there was enmity there. There was hostility there. When I wanted the good, I found myself in a vicious contest with God. I was not free to walk in the newness of life. When I began to understand the truth of water baptism, the Word of God began to dawn upon my heart. I realized that there was something very needful for me. There was something inside me that very definitely needed to be buried and laid aside. 
I had to recognize it for what it was, the old man, the old nature, the hostility that had always been in me to stand up against God. This needed to be buried and to be done away with for the rest of my life. So I entered the waters of baptism, expecting and believing that the Lord Jesus would meet me there. He would circumcise my heart and bury that old nature so that I could walk in the newness of life. Newness of life meant that then I could serve God with my heart, with my soul, with my mind, with my strength, and I could love God without reservations. Following this experience in baptism, the very thing that I longed for and hoped for happened. I began to delight in God's ways. I rejoiced that there was a newness of life. I rejoiced that I could go into the presence of God and not feel the hostility and the war that was going on. When people preached, I knew they were talking about me and something that I needed needed to be done, an adjustment that was needed in my life, and I could say thank you. Lord, for this knowledge, I could go ahead and submit myself to God and perform in me that which is necessary. Newness of life was all I had hoped it would be. See, God set out this principle, and it's never changed. It's always been there. The entrance into the kingdom, repent, be baptized, receive the Holy Ghost. Because, see, if you don't receive the Holy Ghost, then the teacher will not come to lead and guide you into what this newness of life is all about. But 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, We beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed, metamorphosis, exchanged by the Spirit of God. He's taken us into Christ's very image. Why? Because you're born again not of a corruptible seed but an incorruptible seed. You're a new creation that's been exchanged. So then you grow up into the fullness of what he's called us to be. See, one thing about growing up, we'll constantly be going to be growing every day we're here until that day we depart from here. And I want to tell you something else. When we get there, we're constantly going to be growing every day when we get there. You know why? Because he's a creator. You cannot stop a creator from creating. And we have the seeds of a creator in us. We are born of that same seed that he is. Spirit, soul, and body. That's why we need to receive the fullness of what he has. So if there's a struggle going on in your life, if you're still finding, like Paul said in Romans chapter 7, I delight after the God and the inward man, but as there's another thing working on me on the outward side, bringing me into bondage to this sin. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this sin? Thanks be to God, through Christ Jesus, I've been set free. And what does it say in Romans 8? There is now no, no condemnation to those who are in Christ for the spirit of life has made you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, he did. See, he's done it all for us. All he's saying is just walk in obedience. Walk in obedience. Repent. Change the way you're thinking. Be baptized. Be buried. And be raised to walk in the newness of life. And enter into the new new life. So it's going to be available tonight. Uh, Amen? Well, looky there. I didn't do too bad. (laughs) Father, we thank you for your word today. And Lord, we just ask that right now, you just prepare hearts. If there's people sitting here, they know they've been baptized maybe even twice or three times. But there's still that feeling that it's not complete. Lord, I just ask you to move on them like you have me, that we need to, once for all, bury that old thing once for all. Get it eternally settled. That it's an exchange, it's a baptism, and it's receiving the Holy Ghost and to be raised to walk in the newness of life. And Father, I thank you right now that you're the, the Holy Spirit is the one that makes alive these things. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.